Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 226. My name is John Morgan. Cole Coffee is not with me right now, but you'll be hearing from him a little bit later. He is up in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, where he is joined by the young Mike Bond to cover UFC 240 Holloway versus Edgar. We'll be hearing uh, from those boys here in just a little bit to talk to you about what's going on up in Canada. In the meantime, I am here in Las Vegas, sitting in the home office, enjoying a, a week at home, working from the house. Enjoying a, a beverage as we always do when we sit down on Thursday nights to record the MMA Roadshow. But, should mention, stepping up our game. Big shout out to Kevin from Houston. Normally like to sit down with a frosty beverage. And listen, nothing wrong with a frosty beverage. I might have one a little bit later. I, I probably will if I'm, if I'm being honest. But no, right now, I'm having a sip of a little Basil Hayden straight bourbon. Kevin from Houston brought it right, man. He was in town. He was in San Antonio. Uh, this past week for UFC on ESPN4, and he's a, a hardcore MMA Roadshow supporter and was actually kind enough to bring a bottle of that good, good Kentucky bourbon. And uh, I, I stowed a little bit of it away, had, had a couple drinks with him, had a couple drinks with some friends this weekend, but I took a little bit home with me to Vegas, and we're enjoying a little bit of that right now as we get ready to talk some MMA. Listen, uh, hopefully you enjoyed last week's episode. It was kind of funny. It was a, a, a very family-driven episode, and I did have to share a pretty funny moment because my wife never listens to the show. Uh, she just doesn't really follow MMA that much. I mean, she does. She'll tune into the fights, but obviously she's got a life going on, and uh, you know, I think she likes to separate herself from, from all this stuff every now and then. But you know, we were in the same hotel room because my family came with me down to San Antonio for that event. And when I was doing the the road show, uh, she was behind me. I was at a desk, and she was behind me, kind of messing around the room. And I thought, well, she's actually getting to listen to one of the shows because it's because uh, it's being done right, and uh, right 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 here in front of her, and she's she's getting to check it out live. And uh, so I, I finished up, took the headphones off, turned around to see what she thought of my work, and there she was, asleep on the bed with noise canceling headphones on. <laughs> She had a chance to join the show live. And she put the headphones on and went to sleep. <sighs> Summed it up for me right there. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, it was a, a, a solid event, UFC and ESPN 4. Won't, won't spend a, a ton of time talking about it. Did want to get to an and a half episode, but finished working at about 4 o'clock in the morning and uh, then remembered I had to, to spend the next day with some friends of mine. So I had to get a little bit of sleep, unfortunately. But we're, we're going to get back to that and a half. I think we... Bust one out for Edmonton, and uh, actually been working on some possibilities. The the, the problem is cold coffee uh, gets gets stuck working very very late, um, but we're looking at some other options to maybe sneak around that. Cause I want to talk post fight content, man. I get I get hype. I think that's part of the reason I end up working so late is I can't I can't pull myself away and go to sleep, man. You got that adrenaline rush going on. You want to talk about it, so maybe we'll sneak one out here this weekend here in uh, in Edmonton. Uh, but yeah, it was a good night in San Antonio. It was funny. It started out with all those decisions, what, nine straight decisions to open the night. Not bad fights. It really wasn't bad fights. Uh, but you still want to see. I mean, the finish is what we love about MMA, right? That Whether it's the big knockout, whether it's a slick submission. I mean, uh, yeah, we like good fights that go to the judges' cards, but not every one of them going to the cards. <laughs> and it looked like we were getting dangerously close to that until we got an absolute flurry of finishes to, fi to, to, uh, to finish the night. Dan Hooker with the big knockout of James Vick. Uh, who has since announced he's moving up to 170. I'm happy to hear James Vick is moving up to 170. I know he used to get annoyed by it and, and, and the questions. 
And he said, listen, you know, my, my nutritionist, we, we did it and we made weight with no problem. I, I mean, I, I just have to respectfully disagree. I like James Vick a lot, but I have to respectfully disagree. I don't feel like he was making it with no problem. I mean, yes, maybe he wasn't passing out. Maybe he wasn't, uh, you know, maybe he didn't feel it was an, an inordinate amount of pain. But, you know, in just watching him from the outside, um, he, he never looked very good. And again, you know, we said it. He didn't come to the media day last week. And, you know, maybe it was just a sheer coincidence. I haven't talked to him since then. So, uh, again, I said then, cautious, you know, be cautious, I should say. Uh, we don't know that that's why he's not here for the media day. But he didn't come, you know. And it's, I think it's just because the weight cut takes so much out of him. You know, he has to focus. Everything has to be perfect. So, um, I hope 170 works out for James Vick because he's a good dude. And, uh, and I'd like to see him do well. Although... I was happy for Dan Hooker, man. I'm a big Dan Hooker fan as well. Anybody that listens to the Roadshow knows he's a, he's a great guy as well. So I uh, was happy to see that. Of course, the, earlier in the night, uh, Jennifer Maya did beat Roxanne Motiferi, my kid's jiu-jitsu coach. So my, my kid was bummed. He was in the crowd. He was he was pretty sad, but uh, he did commend Roxanne Motiferi on her effort uh, and, and fighting until the very end. And uh, just Jennifer Maya was uh, – was too much on this particular night, so it was it was a sad night in the Morgan household. But uh, we did get some very good fights for the rest of the night. I did want to mention one thing; I found it incredibly interesting. So, you know, I was working the fight by myself, so I was in the back doing winter interviews, um, and uh, you know, shooting the videos and getting those up on the site. And I, and I went out for the first fight of the night, and I went out for the main event, which was great. So I got to see um, what I thought was just a phenomenal performance by Leon Edwards. Got to watch that from cage side, man. I, I think he is just – and you know what? I picked against him. I continue to pick against Leon Edwards. Leon Edwards is like Robert Whitaker to me, man. I just I, – I continually underrate him, and I think, you know, I continually underrate Leon Edwards. But a, a phenomenal performance by Leon Edwards. Um, but I couldn't help but notice uh, during the Greg Hardy fight, um, we were still waiting on uh, Alexander Hernandez and Dan Hooker. Uh, I think Alexander Hernandez – had gone to get stitches, so that's why it took him a while. He had to get sutured up before he could come back and do his winter interview. And then Dan Hooker, of course, had just won before the Greg Hardy fight. So we were waiting on, t- on, on two, you know, pretty prominent names. I mean, maybe not, you know, pay-per-view superstars, but certainly both guys have had some buzz around their names. To, and we were waiting on them to talk. But the media room, uh, the media room emptied out. The media room emptied out uh, to go watch the Greg Hardy fight. Everybody wanted to be cage side. For Greg Hardy. Now it worked out. Um, unfortunately, they, they held uh, Alexander and Dan Hooker until after the main event. So we got all those guys at the very end of the night. Um, but I just thought, you know, there seems to be so much controversy around Greg Hardy and what he represents and what he stands for in the sport. But you basically had journalists that were willing to miss interviews with Alexander Hernandez and Dan Hooker just so they could be cage side to check out Greg Hardy. So I, I just I found that site to be incredibly intriguing and kind of. I guess encapsulating of, of why the UFC is willing to, to you know to bet on Greg Hardy, why ESPN continues to support Greg Hardy, uh, even when people step up and say, hey, he, he shouldn't be here. Um, the guy moves the needle, man. There's no question about it. By the way, I had no problem with the stoppage. Uh, I you know I I think we all wished we would have had something a little more definitive, a little bit more highlight reel. Whichever way you were looking at it, whether you wanted Greg Hardy to win or whether you wanted Juan Adams to win, I think we all wanted something a little bit more definitive. But I really didn't have a problem with the stoppage. Um, you know, Juan Adams was was down. He was he was in that position for you know too long, taking thirty some odd unanswered blows. Uh, was told to move, didn't move, um, and that's what you have to do. So 
Um, you know, I, I just – I really had no problem whatsoever with the stoppage. Felt bad for one afterwards. You know, obviously there was so much pressure and tension building into this fight. And uh, for it to end the way it did, I kind of understand why he stormed out of the cage. Uh, unacceptable behavior, but of course – you know, he came back and apologized pretty quickly after. So, you know, I think that's just a young kid that, that, that lost his temper, unfortunately. So, uh, no problem with the win for Greg Hardy. I really, really didn't. Walt Harris, the big win over Alexi Olenek. Happy for Walt Harris. I told you guys, man, I, I really feel like Walt is starting to find himself and, uh, you know, find a rhythm, man. And I think he's a phenomenal athlete. So, big win for him. And then big personality afterwards. If you haven't seen the post-fight videos, uh, check it out on MMA Junkie or, or perhaps the YouTube channel. But, you know, he came in wearing the coonskin cap and, and talking about Davy Crockett and how, you know, Davy Crockett came to help the people of San Antonio. He slayed a bear with his bare hands. Uh, you might have seen it on the post-fight show as well uh, on ESPN+. Plus. He was wearing it there as well. But, you know, I think Walt Harris gets it. He's a funny dude, man. He really is. He's got a great personality, and he's starting to try to let it shine. So, uh, big win there by Walt Harris and, and uh, you know, good things happening for him. Uh, and then, of course, Leon Edwards. I, you know, listen, I, I like the idea of Leon Edwards, uh, uh, George Masvidal. I really do, man. I So much heat around it, and it just, to me, it just makes all the sense in the world. I get Masvidal probably doesn't want the fight. Uh, you know, he said, listen, he's holding out for a title shot. And, you know, you've seen his manager, Abe Kawa, on social media has been saying he was promised a title shot, so they're going to hold out for that. Can't blame him for that. I mean, Masvidal's been in this game for a long time, and he's never been – this close to a title shot. Imagine he wants to get that contract. Uh, imagine he wants to get that money. So I get it. I, I totally understand that position. Um, and from a marketing side, Masvidal is definitely the bigger name. You know, we said it going in, definitely the bigger name. But Leon Edwards, what he's put together, man, the streak that he's put together, the fact that his only loss, you know, in his last 11 fights, I believe, is to Kamaru Usman. I mean, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to see it happen, uh, especially when you add in what happened in London earlier this year, the backstage, uh, you know, melee between these two. I think the selling point would be massive, uh, and I'd like to see it happen, but I, I understand why it might not, and, and I don't blame Masvidal for holding out. But to me, there's just too much story here, and I think this would definitely be an opportunity for Leon Edwards to really grasp that spotlight because, you know, once again, we saw the numbers. And, and Leon Edwards may have been the main event, but he wasn't necessarily getting, uh, you know, the main event rub, so to speak, the the love of all that. So, um, yeah, but it was a great performance, man. And it was it was nice because I was sitting cage side and I didn't have to do play-by-play. -play. I wasn't scoring it. I was able to just sit there and watch it, really. You know, I, I was kind of doing a little bit of video editing in between rounds, but I had pretty much gotten caught up at that point. Um, and it was kind of – it was nice to be able to sit there and really observe – all five minutes. RDA, tough as nails, man. That cut over his eye was bad, and he was getting tagged up. Never stopped, but um, just a, a great win from Leon Edwards. Uh, a lot of stuff happened on the prelims, but I, I will say, uh, you know, the, the Ray Borg win and the Raquel Pennington win, both emotional wins for them. Uh, both meant a lot, you know, for very different reasons, but they both have battled a long way to get where they are. And uh, so I was happy to see Ray Borg and Raquel Pennington win and to talk to them about the emotion of, of what that brought. Um, pretty pretty powerful stuff there. And then, of course, uh, Andre lost. Guy, you know, it was a tough one, man. Ben Rothwell came in with this amazing attitude last week, so I was I was pulling for him a little bit. But, you know, Andre Arlovsky is, is, is a legend of the sport, man. He, you know, future UFC Hall of Famer. And, uh, you know, has become one of the great guys to cover in this sport. Uh, it wasn't always the case, man. Early on in his UFC career, his first run – 
as UFC champion. He was a little bit prickly at times, and he's still a little bit, you know, he's got that kind of dry approach sometimes. But, uh, man, I, I've really enjoyed covering the, the career of Andre Olosky. He's, he's always a pleasure to be around, so it was a, a big, big win for him overall. So, anyway, the event in San Antonio was fun. I then, then I went to Austin for a couple of days, hung out with uh, one of my best friends, and just kind of, man, we just, to be honest, we just drank some frosty beverages and played some pool at his house and uh, went out and had some dinners and some restaurants. And, uh, man, really, really, really enjoyed a couple days off, just unplugged from the website and then flew back and did the Contender Series. I love the Contender Series. I missed the weigh-ins this week. But we still did the preview show, myself and Dan Tom, Cole Coffee on the production of it. So we're doing that every Tuesday. If you want to check that out on Tuesday right before the Contender Series, uh, we do it from 4.15 to 4.45 Pacific about 15, it ends 15 minutes before uh, the contender series starts. But if you're looking for a little preview, uh, just to let you know what you're about to see, I get it. You, you might not know who all these people are on the contender series. We try to give you a little bit of insight, who to pull for, what, what, what you know, what you should be looking for in the fights. Dan Tom provides a a bunch of uh, a bunch of uh, knowledge, and then uh, Nolan King uh, always chimes in as well. Nolan King. Uh, for even before he joined the junkie team was always really into uh, the contender series and kind of breaking down the prospects and those sort of things. And uh, he provides some, some insight that, uh, that we read on air every week as well. So uh, if you, if you like the contender series and you want to enhance your content a little bit more, join us on those previews, uh, but did, did watch the contender series. Another, another good week of action uh, contender series, man. It started out a, a little bit scary. The first two, the first two episodes to me were not bad, but they were just a little bit slow and uh, some of the fights were a little weird, and I was like, "Oh man, have we just burned through all the prospects? Uh, what's what's going on?" You know. But the, the 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 last three have been phenomenal. This there were some some very good results in here. Um, one very unfortunate. I you know I thought we were finally going to see. I, I I'm I'm convinced now. The situation that I always wondered was, would Dana White ever bring in a person who lost? Because there's no rules in it. It's not like tough, right? Where you got to win a tournament. And if you win a tournament, you're in the UFC. On the contender series, you just fight and win. And and Dana White gets to pick who he wants, but you, you really don't even have to win. I mean, at the end of the day, Dana just picks who he wants. Um, oh, you know what? I just thought of something really literally just crossed my mind. I wonder if the contracts are written in such a way that if you win, they get first right of refusal to your next fight. But if you lose, you're free. Maybe that's why he hasn't done it. Now i got to read the contracts. <laughs> I just had that revelation. Because here's what I thought. Is Jordan Williams, who you know had a, had a win already on the Contender Series but didn't make it into the show, then came in here, fought a hell of a fight against Ramazan Kuromagomedov, who a lot of people thought um, was kind of a surefire, can't-miss prospect. Undefeated, young uh, training partner of Magomed Shapiro, uh, of Zabit Magomed Sharapov. Um, and, and, and Jordan Williams had a really, really close fight with him. And Dana White said he thought Jordan Williams won. Now I've seen both, uh, you know, I, I wasn't scoring it round by round. Uh, I have seen both opinions on people saying Jordan won, people saying Ramazan won. But Dana White came back there and said, I think Jordan Williams won this fight. So if you had Jordan Williams who you thought won the fight, He's already won once before, and he put on it was, whether you thought he won or not. There's no disagreement that it was a great fight. Both guys went all out. I thought that would be the moment that Dana finally gave away a contract to a loser. And I've been liking it the whole time, this whole series, to you know being like Forrest Griffin, Stephen Bonner. You know, the Ultimate Fighter won. It was whoever won got a contract. But what did they do? They said, Ah, you both got deals. It was such an amazing fight. You both got deals. And I've been wondering 
if Dana would ever give a deal to a loser of a fight. But now I do wonder if maybe those contracts are written in such a way that you're a free agent again if you lose, at which point they could still offer you a deal. But I think when you win, you're beholden to the deal. When you lose, I imagine maybe there's a... I'm going to have to check on that, so I'm not feeding you full of false information. But I'm just thinking of it in my head. But anyway, if there was ever to be a situation where a loser might get uh, offered a contract, I, I would have thought it would have been with Jordan Williams. Didn't do it, so now I, I don't think we're ever going to see that scenario. We've seen every other scenario. We've seen one fight, uh, one fighter given a contract, two, three, four. We've seen all five. We saw that this season. So the only other situation we haven't seen is no contracts awarded. I will say I hope we don't ever see that one because I imagine – if we have no fights awarded, it means we had a pretty crappy night of fights. Uh, so not wanting to see that. So anyway, to the Contender Series. Uh, then actually, uh, Wednesday was right back at the at the UFC Apex for, for a pretty interesting press conference. I wasn't sure what it was all going to be about. Um, it was a, a corporate communications uh, uh, arranged press conference. Which corporate communications is kind of the side of the UFC that's really about the business aspect of it. You know, not the fight side. The people that are in corporate communications, they're the ones that are talking about, you know, when when uh, when when Nemiroff signs on as the official vodka of the UFC, you know, they're the ones that are sending out the press releases and and you know any kind of news and notes on that. To be honest, a lot of it doesn't get picked up. You know what I mean? When the UFC signs uh, you may hear about Nimrod Vodka on the road show because Nimrod Vodka are fantastic people who occasionally send us free vodka. And, and, we, and we appreciate that at the MMA Road Show. But you're probably not going to see it on MMA Junkie, and you're probably not going to see it picked up by the, the major MMA websites or the major sporting websites. So a lot of what corporate communications does either just ends up in like trade publications or kind of just goes off into the ether. Uh, so they have a very difficult job at times to get people to care about some of the stuff that they're, you know, that they're that they're messaging. But this one was different because we knew that it was the announcement of something between the UFC and Aurora Cannabis, um, and of course we've never seen a, a major sports organization or league pair up with a cannabis company. Now. It should be noted right away. This is for CBD products, not for, uh, not for you know anything that would uh, that has a psychoactive element. Anything that's this you know the THC aspect of cannabis, of cannabis, I should say. This is uh, CBD oil, which of course is becoming a huge, huge thing. And in fact, the UFC said their own research, their own personal research up to this point, they determined that they think about um, about 50% of the rosters already utilizing CBD products. Of course, you know, people are looking for a, a natural way of recovery. Um, you know, certainly, you know, marijuana use out of competition is now okay. It wasn't, that wasn't always the case. Um, but, you know, you don't want necessarily people taking pain pills or self-medicating or, or, or things of that nature. So you're looking for kind of all natural alternatives and CBD, CBD oils and topical creams and that sort of thing kind of offers that so anyway we knew that was happening but we've seen other partnerships you know other sponsorships and things like that in fact um you know bellator did the same thing but this had a a, a different level to it um this was it's an eight-year partnership and the ufc and uh and aurora cannabis they're they're linking up for this eight-year partnership 
and they're going to do medical studies as well. Um, now it's it's interesting because I mean it's 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 Aurora's doctors that are going to be handling this, and a lot of the data will be collected at the Performance Institute um, in, in Las Vegas. So the, the two companies are going to work together. Now it will be later peer reviewed and all those things. I mean this, this is not like a, a third party group of scientists coming in. Um, I don't know. I guess that's probably the normal. I mean, somebody's got to develop this stuff, right? But the goal is to study what works and what doesn't work with CBD, why it works, what works best, you know, all that stuff, and then help develop products. Um, now, the products, of course, will be for sale. I mean, Aurora is a, a business, man. They're trying to make money. And uh, as we all know and can see, cannabis is a quickly growing uh, industry in the United States. You know, now that it's becoming legalized more and more, um, you know, certainly the, the, the amount of money that's being invested in it is massive, but you know, it's not just the, 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 the you know, the, the marijuana, you know, the psychoactive aspect of it to CBD. A lot of people really believe in it. I, I haven't, I'll be honest. I haven't tried pure CBD. Um, a, a lot of people told me I should and, and, uh, that they've had their own success. Friends of mine that have said they've had success utilizing it, uh, to, for, for as a, as a sleeping aid. Uh, some people talk about, you know, the calmness of, of you know, uh, just anxiety and that sort of thing. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I'm interested to see. But, again, you see that a lot of people are, are, are using it already. Fighters are, are utilizing it um, and believe in it. So uh, there's going to be this massive uh, research study, which is pretty cool. I, I think it's actually kind of cool because, you know, this is studying, like, legitimate scientific data that other sports can use as well, and that other, and, that, and just people in general can use, um, that could actually help benefit uh, society to a degree, which is kind of kind of exciting to think about. So, you know, I think the one thing they didn't talk about is 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 the financial structure of this deal. So, I don't know. How, I I got to think the UFC might be making money off this. If I was guessing, I mean, Aurora is is you know. They're getting paired up with a, 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 a leading sports brand, and and UFC president Dana White said it. They had you know they had UFC executives there. Um, you also had Jeff Nowitzki and Duncan French. You had Aurora executives there, um, and, and you know they made it clear that they believe this is the tip of the iceberg for the sporting world. And man, if you could get you know the major sports leagues involved. And approving this, I mean, you can you can see the ramifications. So you know, I've got to think that part of this for Aurora is attaching themselves to a major brand, getting their foot into the sporting landscape, which could in turn open up doors down the road with, you know, the NFL, with, with, you know, the NBA, with other sports leagues. Um, not only just, you know, utilizing them in those leagues, which would be great, but then of course the awareness uh, that that brings and legitimacy that brings to it, because, you know, I do think there's still a stigma to some degree about marijuana, you know, legalized marijuana and, and CBD as it relates to marijuana. There's still a portion of the population that I don't think is really 100% sold on it being okay. You know, as weird as that may sound, it's just it's been illegal for so long that I don't think people even really sit back and evaluate it and think about it logically. It's just it's illegal, so it's bad. Um, and I think this will go a long way towards them getting that done you know and, and uh so anyway i mean there's huge financial opportunities at stake for aurora and that's why I, I would think you know maybe they even paid i can't you know imagine this is a sponsorship deal where they're where they're paying the ufc 
um, you know, certainly not the other way around. I mean, the UFC is going to get some benefit out of it as well. The fighters, it seems like, could really benefit. It's funny. I kind of, I kind of pissed Dana off a little bit. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't mean to. I was, you know, I was just kind of asking him in the in this press conference. I was like, well, hey, listen. I mean, the fighters taking part in this study uh, because there's going to be again this medical study around it. I mean, the fighters that are, that, that are willing to take part in the study. I mean, how do you encourage them to want to do it? Because sure, this is something that can can help. You know. Um, but you know, do they get free product? Do they get, uh, do they get compensated somehow for this? I mean, they're going to be the kind of the guinea pigs in, in this, in this data. And he, he got kind of mad. He was like, guinea pigs. He's like, why would you say they're guinea pigs? They're already using it. And this is something that's going to make it even better for them. And, uh, I was like, okay, fair enough. Guinea pigs probably wasn't the right word to use there. Uh, it was funny. I, I was talking to one of the scientists later from, from Aurora. He was kind of cracking up about that moment as well. And he was saying that, you know, they used to say uh, people that were involved in test studies were like test subjects, you know. Uh, so same thing. I mean, it's, I guess, it's just a nicer way of saying guinea pigs. Uh, and he said that they've kind of gone away from that in the industry because test subject, who wants to be a test subject? Um, but if you say you're a partner, uh, you know, that sounds a little bit uh, that sounds a, a little bit nicer. Much the similar way that the UFC, you know, years ago, I remember uh, when Dave Schaller was still around, I think he was one of the ones that really pushed uh, for people to quit calling them fighters all the time. You know, there's kind of a negative connotation around fighters to call them athletes, the UFC athletes. Um, that was a big push for quite some time. So, anyway, funny, just a little connotation of a word there. But, uh, you know, this, I, I just, I'm, I'm kind of interested in this. I think there's going to be people that shoot, you know, shoot holes in it or say, uh, I mean, it, people like to criticize the UFC and they like to say, you know, question their motives and, and all sorts of things. But this seems like a good deal. Um, I, I, you know, I do imagine it's going to be uh, free CBD product for a lot of athletes, a lot of fighters. Um, I think a lot of them are already getting it free anyway from all the CBD sponsorships I see out there. Um, but you know, so I think they're going to get free product. But I mean, if this really is something where you can develop the, these products um, and 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 maybe make something good for for society that's done through UFC athletes, that's done through the UFC roster. You know, that's where the studies take place. I think it's pretty cool. So, anyway, the press conference ran pretty long. It ended up being about a 45-minute press conference or so. Uh, but afterwards, we uh, we got to pull UFC President Dana White aside, uh, as well as uh, the UFC Senior Vice President of Athlete Health and Development. I think I got that right. Jeff Nowitzki, the golden snitch, as he's been labeled by Brendan Schaub. Uh, you got to see uh, Jeff Nowitzki. I think everybody knows who he is at this point. Um, but anyway, they stood to the side. They talked to us uh, in, in the media. Uh, myself, uh, Sean Alshadi was there uh, from The Athletic. Uh, Rodney Edgar was there, who had been with me in San Antonio. Uh, you know, he freelances for a couple places. Uh, uh, so anyway, that's that's who you're hearing here, uh, along with Dana White and Jeff Nowitzki. And I, I don't know, I thought I'd share this little scrum. It's a lot shorter, but it talks uh, talks a little bit about kind of the What's at stake here and what they're expecting out of this partnership that, uh, like I said, I think is actually kind of cool. Something like this, is there an education process that you expect to have to go through with coaches, fighters, that sort of thing? Yeah, with everybody involved, there'll be an education process. And obviously, even for Aurora, um, you know, but, but to have a deal like this, where the, like we were talking about earlier, we were joking, but seriously, the money to be spent on the research for this, it's groundbreaking. It, you know, and not just for us, not just for our sport, for all sports, and for for, for, for people who work out every day, and people who deal with chronic pain and, and things like this, it's groundbreaking. Was it the 50% number that you know, half the athletes are already using something like this that swayed you guys to do something like this, or would you? Uh, 
I mean, it's a huge factor, but there's there, there's no doubt. So I just had uh, I just had shoulder surgery, right? Uh, rotator cuff surgery, and I, I was going through physical therapy. The physical therapists are using CBD oil on you when they do it. Yeah, I'd never done it before. The physical therapist was using it on me. It's the future. It's happening. It's this is this is the future. So what was your experience? It was good, you know. Uh, and when you think about it, I'd rather when I did it, I didn't take any pain pills. So I'd rather do that than pain pills and things like this. If this is a, a viable option and the research is out there that this can help athletes or anybody, any human being with, that's in pain, I, I believe this is the future. And you know us, we're always the first to dive in and, 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 and figure it out. Did you have any hesitation though, Dana? Because I think you brought it up earlier. There's still like a stigma around CBD that people are, are now, learning now about. When I got guys like this, you know what I mean? This is my guy. He, he knows everything about all these drugs, whether they're performance enhancing or pain or any of this stuff. He does all the research, he knows everything, and he lets us know what he thinks is good and bad. I mean, that's why he's here, that's what he does. So our athletes are using it in lieu of, as Dana just talked about, opioids, in lieu of things like Xanax, in lieu of things like Ambien or sleeping aids, and certainly not even from a scientific point of view, of the common sense, a synthetic drug versus a chemical coming from a plant, makes a lot of sense it's probably going to be a lot healthier and safer for you and that again anecdotally and again that's why we're doing the science and research but anecdotally at least the the result the uh, feedback has been really positive is there any concern at all i mean as we said i know that cbd and thc two different products but you know I, in my head i'm thinking like tainted supplements like it's yeah. it's made in the same plant as somewhere else you know what i mean like is there any concern at all that somebody on, can have a false positive yeah, on the on the cbd side no because if you heard today this is hemp derived cbd and the definition of hemp is a cannabis plant with less than 0.03%. So most of it has zero, they allow for, for just a little bit. And at 0.30%, A, it's not gonna cause a positive drug test at our threshold of 150 nanograms per milliliter. B, it's not gonna have any impairment value. THC in the cannabis plant is the thing that actually impairs you. It's what gets you know an individual high that consumed it. It literally has no THC in it, only CBD. What's, what's the involvement moving forward for the USC? I mean, obviously you've entered this partnership, it's gonna be partially done research at the PI, but as far as involvement on a daily basis moving forward, whether it be financially, operationally, I mean, what is the UFC's involvement from this point forward? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of outside of the yeah, scope. I, 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 we're in, we're in with these guys for eight years. I believe that this is the future. I believe that this is, it, it, it's what we're doing first, but I believe all sports are gonna be involved in this too. And it's, uh, it's, it's massive. So listen, we're starting out. We're gonna start doing the research with the athletes, you know, and, and I'm assuming that the research is gonna come out very well. And this is, this is gonna be a big deal. Dana, we're in. You called this the biggest deal in the UFC's history. What's the pride that you take away in an agreement like this that, that is forward thinking and one that you call the first of many dominoes? Yeah, you know, we, first of all, we got a lot of smart people that work here, including this guy here who knows the ins and outs of all different drugs and whether they're performance enhancing or whatever. And when you really look at this thing, it's, it's common sense. This makes sense, especially what he just did. Would you rather have these guys taking pain pills, sleeping pills, things like this? Much safer, much healthier for the athletes. It's the future. We know it, we get it, we see it, and we're not afraid of things like this. You know, what happens is the, 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 big, the big ones, uh, you know, the NFL, the NBL, all these guys are afraid. They're afraid to, to, to be the first ones to step in. We're never afraid. When, when it's right and we, we believe in it and we think it's the future, we're in. With that being said, even though THC is completely different 
THC is legal here in you know Nevada, Washington, Denver, whatever, or Colorado. Um, how close is uh, the commission here into letting allowing that? So, yeah, so as I was asked earlier, I've had discussions with Bob Bennett, Bennett about it. Here's the problem with it, though. So for any any substance to be prohibited in sport, at least under the water world, it has to meet two or three criteria. It has to be uh, the ability to enhance or enhance performance. It ha would have to be a health and safety aspect to be under the influence of that, or it must violate the spirit of sport. I think as it comes to THC, the big concern is number two. Someone who's impaired having used THC what would a UFC fighter look like in an octagon being under the influence of THC? You know, potentially not good. But the real problem with THC is not necessarily those under the influence when they're competing. THC tends to hibernate in the body and in the fat cells. And so you'll see someone consume it, you know, a couple weeks out and then have an in-competition test where there's still a bunch remaining in their system. And that's dependent on the individual and how they metabolize it. So that's really the concern I think the commission and I have. We don't want to be punishing someone for using something that is allowed two, three weeks out, it just happens to remain at their system as not having any impairment when they compete. That's the big challenge I think as it comes to THC. And in follow up that, then I would assume that you would be in favor of guys being able to use THC just because of the, the pain. Um, a lot of guys use it to, to self -manage. Yeah, listen, that's 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 not for me to say or not to say. It's, a, you know, first of all, it's an individual thing. If you're, if you're into THC, you want to take THC. But that's up to the athletic commissions and uh, the powers that be. That's, I want to stay so far away from that shit, it's not even funny. I, I, that, that's why, I, many reasons I love him, let him deal with that. And so it's a long way to go here. THC, unlike CBD, which last year in the Farm Bill at the end of the year, was taken out of Controlled Substance Act. So it was taken from the DEA as a Schedule One controlled substance. THC, and there's a lot of debate amongst this, still remains as a Schedule One controlled substance. So we have a long way to go in this country before we start talking about you know, anybody allowing THC, notwithstanding it being allowed and legal in a state, at the federal level, they still consider it the most serious drug in Schedule One. If it was taken off the Schedule One list, him, how are those states able to still enforce, you know, to prohibit it? Yeah, I just think it's the, the federal government's policy um, is that they're not, you know, they're not enforcing those laws very strictly. Um, and I don't know. But, but the, state, the states ask. can if they want to, I guess. Yeah, words. I think technically, you know, the federal government could probably step in, but I think they've chosen not to. That's a question for the administration and, and lawmakers, I think. Maybe a weird question, but in a, in a study like this, scientific, would you have to have like placebo? Would people be using something that's... I believe so. I mean, really? I think the Aurora scientists are best talked to, but they have preliminary. I think that's the idea is that, you know, in order to, you know, ensure an athlete's just not making things up, yeah. you give a certain percentage of them something that has no active ingredient in it. Interesting. Yeah. You had talked earlier about the lack of oversight just generally in this media and how dangerous some of this can be just in terms of contaminating supplements, etc. Um, without naming names, have you had a UFC athlete have a contaminated supplement from using CBD? Haven't, but I'm telling you it's only a matter of time. And we've got several outstanding right now that we're investigating and looking into, hey, what was added new into the program since the last negative tests? In a lot of those cases, it was, well, I changed to a CBD product. I believe it's only a matter of time until that happens. Hopefully, this partnership will, at least in the UFC, preclude that from happening because they now have a resource. When they ask me, where is a safe CBD product, I can give them one.
right, so there you have it. That was Dana White and Jeff Davisky talking about this new Aurora partnership. I don't know how much we'll be hearing about it for a while. Um, they said that you know they're going to do some data collection for the, for most of the rest of 2019, and then maybe 2020 is when you'll start seeing um, you know kind of product hit the shelves and, and them getting more into the uh, into this into the uh, uh, I guess utilization of, of things. Uh, usage of the product so uh, we'll see how it plays out but uh, I don't know thought it was kind of interesting uh, like I said more more than just uh, sponsorship there is actually going to be some scientific uh, analysis here so kind of cool all right listen should say by the way if you like what you're hearing or you always like what you're hearing with the MMA Roadshow maybe you don't like what you're hearing today but you normally like what you're hearing or whatever the case may be if you're a fan of the MMA Roadshow at all do me a favor make sure you log into iTunes uh, go in there and, and, and make sure you're subscribed, number one. Hopefully you're subscribed. But do us a favor. Leave us some feedback in there. Help us get that rating. The, the, the more ratings we get. We got five stars, which I really appreciate. So if you can give us five stars and keep that rating, I would love it. Uh, but it, it helps us out with the iTunes algorithm, uh, which helps us get exposed to more people and helps us grow the show. And if, if, you, can, uh, if you can leave us some feedback as well, I would appreciate that. I always like uh, reading your guys' feedback on there. So, uh, you know, e- even if you got some constructive criticism, we'll take that. I mean, if it's glowing praise, we'll really take it. But if you got some constructive criticism, we'll take that as well. All right, listen, uh, as we said, UFC. I almost, I almost said 220. What was I thinking? UFC 240. Holloway versus Edgar is up in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Rogers Place is the name of the building. Featherweight title is on the line. Max Holloway looking to rebound from his loss at lightweight, going back to defend his belt against Frankie Edgar, the man, the the uh, the, the the true legend that is Frankie Edgar. Um, I know a lot of people are critical of Frankie Edgar getting another shot. I did have a chance uh, at the Aurora press conference to ask Dana White about kind of fight-related things, and he said, "Listen, uh, you know, I, I understand the criticism, what have you, but Frankie Edgar deserves a shot. You know, he didn't have to take that fight with Brian Ortega." Uh, he did to help the company out, um, and, and it didn't work out in his favor. But he did come back, and he, and he beat he beat Cub Swanson uh, pretty handily. And, and we think he deserves this opportunity. I, I think this is, you know, um, it's a thank you to Frankie Edgar. I think it's uh, it, it's an opportunity. You know, it's kind of um, you know the Michael Bisping title shot, if you will, kind of the the career uh, effort. Of course, Frankie has been a champion before, but and, and again, I'm not trying to say this is some gift or he doesn't have any business being there whatsoever. But if anybody says, "Hey, man, I don't think Frankie's the real number one contender," I understand the argument. I won't, I, you know, I don't hate it. Um, but somebody has to fight for the title, and I think you know Frankie's as good a choice as, as anybody. Um, and, and I think this is a good fight. Uh, I am favoring Max Holloway, um, but you know, uh, Frankie Edgar is always in a fight, man. He he is. A true MMA legend. I just don't. If you like fighting, I don't see how you could say I don't like Frankie Edgar. I just I don't understand how anybody could do that. So uh, that's that's the main event. Your co-main event: Chris Cyborg versus Felicia Spencer, and uh, a non-title fight for Chris Cyborg, which is crazy. Uh, Felicia Spencer, the undefeated contender, can she sneak up? You know, Chris Cyborg, last fight on her deal. Is her head in the right space? You know, there's all this back and forth about whether or not she's actually. Uh, willing to fight Amanda Nunes again. I, I I stand by what I said before. I don't think you know Chris Cyborg is afraid of Amanda Nunes. I don't think she's afraid to fight her. Um, I think it's just you know the deal and the the the, uh, the, the championship. They they want to they want to negotiate on the on the free agent market. I think that's what they want. Um, I'd like to see Chris Cyborg stay. I mean, there's not much of a 145-pound division to speak of. Maybe going to Bellator would be better. They they do have more of a deeper division there, to be honest with you. 
but an interesting matchup, Felicia Spencer. But uh, I'll save that for the boys up in uh, up in Canada to talk about. They'll be breaking down these uh, these two main these two uh, featured fights to say the least. The the fight that I really want to talk about right now is Jeff Neal versus Nico Price. I I just think this is going to be um, fireworks. This this pay per view. As a whole, I, I can understand if this is one that you're saying I'm going to pass on. I, to- I totally get that, man. It, you know, I, I always say it's not really fair for me to say, you know, I, oh, I think this, this pay-per-view is worth it. Well, I, I get reimbursed for the pay-per-views. I don't have to pay for them. They don't come out of my pocket. You know, MMA junkie pays for my pay-per-views. Um, so I can understand why people wouldn't necessarily be into this one. Um, you know, especially the, 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 the two bouts that kick it off. Okay. Max Holloway, Frank Yeager, great fight, no question about it. You know, maybe you know, maybe not the level of Max Holloway's last fight. I mean, that was there was a whole lot more hype around that one, um, but a good fight nonetheless. I think it's going to be. I, I just don't see any way Max Holloway and Frank Yeager step into a cage and it's not fun. I think it's going to be an entertaining fight. Is it a fifty dollar fight? I don't know. I I, I get why um, I get why people would say no. Chris Cyborg, Felicia Spencer. Chris Cyborg, MMA legend, so you know, definitely always worth tuning in to see Chris Cyborg fight. Felicia Spencer, I believe, will be a UFC champion at some point. I don't know if this is her time or not, um, but you know, Felicia Spencer just barely made her way into the UFC. So if you're not somebody who watches Invicta and keeps an eye on the regional scene, I understand why maybe you're not so excited about this. You know, even though Felicia did look pretty, pretty fantastic last time out. Uh, but again, if we're if we're trying to earn that 50 bucks, I get it. Uh, but Jeff Neal versus Nico Price. Is going to be fun, uh, and, and I'm a big fan of both these guys. I hate that they're fighting uh, because I hate that one of them has to lose, to be honest with you. Uh, but I love both these guys, and, and I did want to shine a little light on them because uh, certainly, you know, most of the attention is being given to the main and co-main event. Uh, but these two guys are going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's a welterweight scrap. Uh, it's going to be a contender for fight of the night, uh, maybe performance night. It's two dudes going to go out there and fight, uh, and of course. Our man Nico Price is always a, a big, big favorite of the MMA Roadshow. Man, he's just such a, a an enthusiastic, fun dude to say the least. Uh, so I figured, hey, let's uh, let's play a little bit of the conversation. The young Mike Bond uh, was up at Media Day and he had a chance to speak briefly uh, with Nico Price. And uh, I mean, listen, if anytime you get a chance to hear Nico talk, you got to do it, right? So here's Nico Price. Well, Nico, I was going to uh, express some disappointment. I'd seen you all week just wearing your hair normal, but you came in and satisfied me here. You went back to the creative yeah. hairstyle. Um, got the palm tree back in play. Yeah, is that, is that what we call this? Mm, yeah, this is my palm tree. You know, yeah, makes sense Florida. with uh, Max Holloway fighting on the topic. Nah, Florida. 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 Yeah, I represent my place. He represents Hawaii. Yeah, fair enough. Then. Um, I think a lot of people are really excited for this fight. The moment it was announced, they're like, okay, like this is going to be a banger, fight of the night potential. Oh, yeah. Is that how you felt about it when you got presented this matchup with Jeff Neal? Yeah, I was, I was excited instantly like let's do it you know I know that dude's a striker I like striking I'm gonna get out there and I'm gonna throw my hands he's gonna throw his and it's gonna it's gonna be fun somebody's getting lifted up yeah people in his circles try to say that they feel his boxing his stand-up is some of the best in, not just in the division and all the UFC when you have prepared for this fight watch this tape what do you make do you think that's a reasonable assumption or is that overplaying it a little too much He's a he's a great striker. I'm not taking anything from him. Everyone can knock anyone out in the sport, you know, especially at where we're at. And we all, I would say, are, are good everywhere. You know, we you can't really look down upon any of the guys that fight in this division in striking or in grappling or in anything because they're good. You know, like everyone up here, for, we're here for a reason. You know, there's a reason he chose him. They chose him to fight me. You know, is to see some stuff. So that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna get out there and just give him a great show, and we're gonna fight the shit out of each other, man. 
That's all I know. <laughs> he's kind of being on the tail end of the top 15. Like he's kind of alternate and out, like maybe that 15 spot, 14 spot. Um, did you feel this is kind of matchup that you should have got in terms of your career progression after the last win against Means? Um, yeah, you know, I was satisfied. That's why I took the fight. You know, I was offered something else and I, I wasn't really happy. I was like, come on, man. I feel like I want someone like something with some real hype, you know, not like, not like, oh, he was here. He made a good, a good display. But, what was the other one? Well, I'm not going to be doing all that stuff. But, like, this was a better chance, a better opportunity for me. You know, I get a, another guy who's known for knocking people out just like me. So let's go out there and do this, man. Do you think this basically plays out as a stand-up fight? Oh, we're going to get out there and bang, man. That's what's going down. <laughs> There's nothing against you. You guys see how I fight. I get out there, and I'm throwing hands. You know, I'm throwing hands, feet, knees, elbows, whatever I hit you in the face with. And you got the win here. I mean, where where do you go from that one? It'd be you know a nice run. You just had pretty much the one loss in the stretch of late. Do you feel like this puts you, you know top ten fight? Kind of keep moving up the division here. It, I don't care. I want to be the champion. So put me whatever road takes me that belt. Yeah. I mean, the top of the division kind of complicated right now. Uh, who do you think should get the next shot at Kamaru Usman? You know, we got the Colby Covingtons out there. He's fighting Robbie Lawler next week. Of course, uh, Jorge Masvidal. All, all these Leon Edwards. Who do you think is the most deserving title contender right now? Man, you can't ever take Lawler away from a title, man. That dude's just a legend. He gets in there every time and breaks faces, you know. And uh, that last fight of his was totally a fluke, you know, like, just, bleh. you know, I would have been like, but it happens to us, you know. Um, I would I would say Covington and Lawler because the, Covington was already interim, and I don't know why he didn't fight, but... I would say those two, and then after that, the winner of the Edwards and Masvidal sounds pretty decent to get in there with those guys. I'm sure from your perspective, you'd love to have Robbie Lawler be the champion when you get to the top. I'm sure in terms of style matchup. I would love to just fight him because I've watched him train at American Top Team when I was there. You know, like I've seen him for so long, and I've idolized like his knockout power. So let's do it. I'll go in there and fight a legend. Eventually, you got to fight who you look up to in the sport if you're good enough. So I'm down for that. Last thing, I know you had uh, talked before about when you leaving ATC and kind of going to do your own thing. Uh, your couple camps, couple fights into that. Uh, how's the comfort level change? How are you feeling in terms of your preparation for this one? You know, kind of after that, moving away. Girl, I feel amazing. You know, I'm stronger, faster than any that I've ever been. More technical. Just everything's firing right now. And I, I feel like I'm hitting levels, new levels. So don't blink when we're in there. It's going to be whoo, fire. Right, that is the one and only Nico Price, man. I, I just I love his attitude, man. I love his spirit. I love the way he fights. He's crazy. He's hectic. He's going to move forward. He's gonna look to fight, man. I just I'm a big Nico Price fan, uh, and I think it's great. And I, I'm gonna fight the shit out. Of him. <laughs> I, I I try to keep my cussing to a minimum. Cold coffee goes a little crazy sometimes. I try to keep my cuss words to a minimum, but uh, I mean, how do you not repeat that one, dude? What a what a, what a great line that was. By the way, I heard somewhere else too. That Nico Price is having another kid, man. He's already got four kids, and he's trying to get a fifth one, man. He's got a fifth one on the way. So, man, what a uh, what 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 a big family that dude has coming. So he wants to keep pocketing those fifty thousand dollar bonuses, and I think he's got a dance partner here that could be um, could be willing to put that on. It could be somebody that can help make that happen. That is Jeff Neal, uh, the man known as Hands of Steel, of course, a Fortis MMA product. 
so you know that we're big fans uh, fighting out of Dallas, Texas. Um, and, 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 and even one more connection, um, and, and it's, you know, you might, I don't know if you've heard this, but it's not a, 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 an unknown aspect of his life, but he still, he waits tables. In addition to, uh, to fighting, he, he still waits tables. And, and it's something that he's, he, he wants to do basically his whole career. I mean, he said maybe someday he'll quit. Um, but for the most part, he, he, he believes in it. So as a fellow former restaurant man myself, uh, I can relate to a lot of what, what he has to say. So he's got everything going, man. He's, he's an exciting fighter. Uh, he's, he's fast rising uh, in, in the company, to say the least. Uh, this should be a great fight. He's a Fortis MMA product and a restaurant guy. So I had to hear from uh, Jeff Neal. Here's what uh, Mike Bond and Jeff Neal had to say earlier today. Jeff, man, uh, it's been a nice start to your UFC career so far. This is a big platform for you, a big opportunity for this fight. Um, is this where you saw yourself four fights in, or do you think you know, maybe further along, maybe not quite here? No, th this is about where I saw myself four fights in, uh, main card spot. Uh, didn't know it was going to be a pay-per-view spot, but, hey, I'll take this one too. Yeah, what do you what do you think when it goes through your head, you know, not just the uh, opponent, but the call? You know, you're going to be on a pay-per-view card. You're in that featured bout that they seem to put, you know, fights that they really like, kind of action fighters and stuff in there too I uh, was that just like you know that shows what they think of me yeah I, I kind of feel honored and um feels good to, to be recognized in uh, some way you know what I mean I'm gonna make sure I put on a show and um make him not regret putting me here <laughs> and what did you think of the matchup I mean obviously Nico is a guy who has put on a lot of exciting fights in the UFC so far uh, is this the kind of thing you relish yeah one percent um this, this gets you waking up in the morning and uh, like you know what I mean fucking wake up early to go run you know what I mean because you got to be ready for opponents like that you know because you never know what could happen so uh, I've been busting my ass for him I'm, I'm ready for this fight I'm sure the goal going in there is to you know win dominantly convincing as fast as possible all that kind of stuff but like a guy like him he can suck you into uh, you know a bit of a back and forth fight maybe you'll take you know a fight where there can be some damage distributed on both sides is there a mental preparation that you need to go through to prepare for something like that knowing like I might be leaving a little bit of myself in the cage on Saturday yeah just um my main focus going to this fight is uh, really just staying composed, like, because he's a wild man. He might come out doing some, because he does crazy shit, so he might come out real crazy. I just got to make sure that despite what he does, I'm still me. I'm still the fighter that I've been. So I just got to stay in my lane and uh, do what I do. Do you think you do a pretty good job of that in yourself, like kind of keeping control of what the game plan, all that stuff in the cage? Or how much of a benefit does it have, you know, for the safe suit in your corner? Yeah, it, 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 I, I do. I feel like I do a pretty good job doing that. Uh, and safe, he makes sure that he makes sure that we stay to the game plan and uh, we do what we got to do. And uh, serving actually helps with that too. Uh, dealing with customers, trying to get me out of character, being rude and stuff like that. Uh, I got a pretty good grip of uh, my emotions. And you, speaking of that, you uh, did a great interview with The Athletic. They put a great story kind of talking about the fact that this isn't your only job. You do work as a server as well. Uh, why is that an important balance to keep for you and, you know, not just go 100% all in on MMA? Uh, it's, it's just uh, another form of income. Like, until I get something else uh, streaming into my bank account, then uh, I'm going to keep serving, you know, because it, it keeps money flowing. Uh, UFC money's not forever, and you know what I mean? I'm not Max Holloway fighting for the belt making that type of money, you know what I mean? I'm still working my way up, so still got a little bit of work to do, so I'm going to keep working. Is there a decision point when you, you know, maybe will make that change? Is it when there's a belt on the line? Because right now, I mean, you being in and out of the rankings, the UFC, like, sometimes you'll show up at 15 one week, sometimes you won't be in there or whatever, but, um, like, do you need to grow into the top 10, top 5, be fighting for a title? What is going to be that point? I, honestly, I really don't know. Uh, when it feels right, 
then I'll stop working. But uh, right now, I, I did try to quit. After I fought Bilal, I quit for like a month, and it just didn't feel right. I was like, no, I should be working. So I uh, went back and uh, started working again, and I'm going to keep on doing it until I feel comfortable enough to quit. Yeah, where do you work? Uh, Moxie's Bar and Grill. They actually have Moxie's here in Canada. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So it's a Canadian chain, but uh, they were super pumped when they found out I was fighting in Canada. But yeah, that's what I work. That's what I work. Awesome. So is that where the post weigh-in dinner is happening, or what's the deal? No, that's not where it's happening. That the the, the victory dinner is going to happen at Moxie's over in Dallas. But uh, the post weigh-in dinner uh, might get some sushi or something. You know, keep it normal. Well, it seems like everything's going great for you, man. Like I honestly, behind the scenes, I hear nothing but good things about you. You know, your teammates, your coaches say they feel you're one of the best strikers in the UFC. Do you go in there, you know, not just in the welterweight division? Do you go in there with that type of confidence and that belief in yourself, or are these just things that you know the people around you feel? I, I appreciate their compliments, you know what I mean. But uh, I still got to prove. I got because I one I got mostly I got to prove to myself that I'm the best striker in the UFC. But uh, it's really, uh, I feel honored when they say that about me, but when I go into the fight, I'm just going in there doing what I do. If, uh, if everybody thinks I'm the best striker, it is what it is, but I'm just doing me. Where does that, you know, how do you even quantify something like that? You know, because maybe you'll have one fight, they'll go to a decision, and you'll completely outwork the guy over three rounds, but maybe someone would think, oh, if he's the best striker, you should be knocking everyone out in the first couple of minutes, like something like that. How do you even define something like that? I don't know. I, mean, I feel striking is more than just knocking people out, you know what I mean? It has to do with defense and timing and all that, but uh, I don't know. Uh, I wish I could knock everybody out. That would be a fucking dream, you know, just knock anybody out, but some people you just can't knock out. And we spoke a little bit about your coaching, your you know, Fortis earlier. Uh, what's it like being in that room right now? It seems like you guys are doing really good things. I know there's a lot more winning than losing happening in that gym over the past few years. What's it like being in an environment like that? It, it feels great. Uh, it feels great to be around uh, winners that want to continue to win. You know what I mean? Everybody in there is winners. Everybody in there hates losing. Uh, the morale is high. People are be getting into the UFC. And uh, I feel like we have just like a group of 15 of us that truly deep down won a UFC title. So um, the morale so high and we're super competitive in there. It's great. Awesome. Of course, you want to keep that momentum going for the team. So what does this fight look like on Saturday? How do you win? I got to I got to I got to pull out the finish on this one. To be honest, um, I can't let it go to the judges. I can't let him uh, draw it out. You know, if I hurt him, I got to stay on him and uh, take him out. Do you think this sets you up for you know a ranked opponent after this? 4-0 in the UFC, not many people get to start like that. Hopefully, I, I, I hope it does, but hey, whatever. Uh, right now, I'm just focused on uh, taking this guy out and then moving forward. Jeff Neal shares truth. Uh, I'm telling you, I've always said this, and... Uh, I truly believe it. You know, I started my my working career. Well, actually, my first job was at a movie theater. Uh, but very quickly, I moved into the restaurant business. I started out as a busboy. Uh, and then I, I, I went all the way through and, and did that for years and years and years while I was going to school. Uh, and, and then after school, because was, I was making good money doing it. Before, I switched over to doing this job full time. Um, but working in the restaurant business and, and waiting tables will teach you so much in life about how to deal with people, about how to handle temperament, about uh, just how to deal with situations, man. I mean, how, how to how to speak to people. I think, you know, that's why Jeff is so comfortable, you know, dealing with the media and just it sounds so natural when he's talking, man. He's had to do it. He's had to be in front of people and, and communicating with them and all that. So um, kudos to him for being a, uh, a, a restaurant guy because I, I still have love for that industry, man. It, it, uh, 
that that industry brought a lot to my life. So uh, it supported me for a long, long time. Uh, so shout out to Jeff Neal, who, by the way, uh, Moxie's uh, in Dallas. I, I don't know about the whole chain in Canada. I, I don't know how they are, but uh, it's in a very nice part of town in Dallas. So it's not exactly like he's, uh, you know, slumming it in, in the, uh, you know, collecting scraps. Uh, it's a very, very nice part of town over there. So I'm sure, I'm sure he does very well for himself. Uh, in his serving job. So, anyway, shout out to Jeff Neal. But listen, I, I think that fight is going to be fireworks. Uh, I, I just don't see how that one's not entertaining. Olivia Aubin Mercier, uh, Armin Sarukian. Um, I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I get it. Uh, you know, OAM. He's he's uh, he's had a couple losses. He's an interesting character, uh, but he has had a couple losses. So I understand why people wouldn't necessarily uh, be stoked about tuning in to watch him fight. But Armand, I'm, I'm excited about seeing him. You remember, he's the guy that stepped in uh, to face Islam Makachev uh, last time out uh, back in April in uh, in Russia and just had a, a great fight. Ended up losing the fight, but gave Islam Makachev, a guy that a lot of people are very high on, uh, everything that he could handle as well. So, um, you know, I, I, I am actually pretty intrigued by that one as well. Uh, Christoph Jaco is, is, is somebody that's, uh, I think can turn in, uh, fun performances. He certainly turned in a very dominating, uh, performance last time out against Alan Madoski, who, who just didn't look good that day. Uh, so he's somebody I might be interested in as well. To me, the, the fights that more stand out, there's some prelims that, that really stand out to me. And I think, you know, I think this is part of just the, the ESPN structure. You know, you, you, you've got cards that are on ESPN or fights that are on ESPN Plus, and, and this is nothing new. I mean, it used to be the same in the Fox era, but I think it's even more so now. I mean, I think, you know, ESPN, the big platform, they want good fights on there. Uh, because, listen, Devison Figueredo versus Alexander Pantoja, that's a, that's a good fight, man. That's, that's a big fight. Pantoja actually believes it should be a number one contender fight for, a, uh, for an interim title fight with Joseph Benavides. And uh, Devison is tough as nails. You know, lost for the first time, uh, but still has an impressive 15-1 record. He's a really, really good fight. That's on ESPN. Um, that could easily, to me, that belongs on the pay-per-view main card. It really does. The importance of it, uh, the entertainment aspect of it, I think that belongs on the main card. But I think ESPN wants to have it on, on you know, the flagship network to really just continue to get eyeballs, uh, to, to bring people in, you know, to get ratings there. But, you know, to, to get people hooked, to parlay people to say, man, I, I want to see more of this UFC product. Um, I think that's why that one's there. Uh, Hakeem Dewadu is on this card, man. I, I, I'm still high on Hakeem. I know his UFC debut was a setback, but he's rebounded since then. I'm, I'm still uh, very, very high on him. Viviani Araujo, man. Remember her debut? Came in against Talita Bernardo. Went up two weight classes to do it. Uh, went from straw weight to to, uh, to bantam weight, and won with a with a one hitter quitter. That big knockout. Said she was going to go back down to uh, straw weight, but instead she's going to stop in the middle for this fight with Alexis Davis uh, and fight at flyweight. Man, if she were to come in and and pick up a flyweight win in her second fight over a seasoned veteran like Alexis Davis. I mean, how hype would you have to be about the possibilities of Vivian Araujo, especially? And, and I mean, listen, at flyweight, you can make things happen pretty quick. But you know, strawweight, such a talented uh, division there, so full of of, of exciting uh, fighters there, man. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Singwoo Choi against Gavin Tucker. Um, again, this is uh, Singwoo Choi. You, if you didn't remember his debut, uh, that was also in Russia. I believe. Yeah, it was that Russian card as well. Mosar Evloev. Uh, see, what you need to be doing 
if you're not watching all the fights, is make sure every Sunday you read the rookie report. I do a little rookie report where I grade the newcomers. And I had high grades uh, for both these guys. They debuted against each other. And Singwoo Choi, it, it was exciting. You know, didn't necessarily, not saying future champion, but definitely somebody that was uh, exciting. So the ESPN section of this card, I think, is lined up with some fights that really should be exciting. And, and again, I think Figueredo versus Pantoja should be on the pay-per-view, but, but I think there's a reason why it's there. Meanwhile, uh, you know, some interesting names. Sarah Froda against Jillian Robertson. Jillian Robertson is fun to watch. Uh, the Savage, aptly named, man. Such a, uh, you know, a, a, a non-assuming looking young lady but uh comes to comes to throw down especially grappling man she's she's fun to watch meanwhile sarah froda she made her way to the ufc through the contender series brazil um and looked absolutely vicious doing it now she ended up losing a split decision to lavinia souza in her ufc debut so that was the first setback for sarah froda uh, but she is vicious man she's all tatted up and muscled up and and comes the bang man she looked great on the contender series like i said had that setback last time um, but that Sarah Frodo versus Julian Robinson, kind of a clash of styles, but a clash of finishers. That could be good on ESPN+. Plus. The return of Eric Koch. How about that, man? Eric Koch, uh, you know, kind of had a, a, a uh, I don't know what you say, just a snake-bit career, I guess. I mean, there was a time, you remember, um, in, in the WC where he was, you know, kind of hot shit, man. He was somebody everybody was talking about. You know, he was supposed to be getting a title shot and, you know, his USC run, it, it, it had some injuries and setbacks, never ended up getting that title shot. Uh, fought once in 2018, once in 2017, once in 2016, not at all in 2015. So um, always interested to see him on a card, man. It was, it's, uh, it's, like I said, it's been kind of an unfortunate career for him. Uh, so, listen, I do think especially, you know, I, I think the prelims of this, if, if you've got time to tune in and you don't want to spend your money, uh, I think you may see some entertaining fights on there. Uh, and again, as far as meaning goes, Figueredo versus Pantoja, uh, that's the one that means the most. Um, and I think we're going to have some decent fights on the pay-per-view as well. Uh, but I, I, I get it, and, I, and I've seen it by our, our website traffic this week. I don't think people are necessarily just loving this card. Uh, but, I, you know, I think it could end up, you know, being okay. Uh, I'll certainly be working it from uh, from home. Uh, and, uh, and maybe we'll just do a little solo and a half afterwards, talk a little MMA afterwards. Because uh, I don't think I'll have a ton of stuff to do um, after the fight card. And I'm still working on that. Still working on that. I, w- I want to get it in my schedule. Um, and uh, I, Simon Head has volunteered to, to help make this happen if, if need be. So we'll talk about it. We're working on some different things. Uh, all right, but listen, let's let's do this. I be, you, you don't want to hear from just me. So what I promised I would do. Now, let me just say, cold coffee, by all reports and all discussion, has been deathly ill uh, all day. <laughs> Uh, I think maybe a little bit, a little bit yesterday and, and all day today. Is, uh, it has not been a very fun trip to Canada uh, for cold coffee this time around. So he is hurting, uh, but he is in Edmonton. He wasn't media day today. He was he was there with Mike Bond, and he has got uh, the young Mike Bond and our good friend from the Mac Life, Oscar Willis, who's in Edmonton as well. He's got those two boys together, and he's got them set up to do a a little a little preview show. Uh, a little a little preview action um, from up there in uh, in Canada. And I figure, hey, I'm not on the ground right now, but you want to hear from the people that are on the ground, tell you about the story, see what's going on there. So uh, we'll hand it over to Mr. Cold Coffee, who will try not uh, to. Uh, well, I'll I'll just let him explain. But we'll hand it over to Cold Coffee, and we'll hear a little bit from our boys up there in Edmonton. 
Thanks, John, for the handoff there. And you are correct. This is got to be the worst trip I have had in quite some time. And it has nothing to do with the location unless it was the wings I ate last night that messed me up. But uh, I have been, uh, not to get too gross, I'll try to keep it as clean as possible. I have been uh, cramping and pretty much... Uh, vomiting and all the other fun things that happen from the top side and the bottom side uh, when you deal with either I'm not sure if it's a foodborne illness or if it's just something that caught up but uh, there uh, there was a lot of running out of the the media room today to uh, <laughs> try to take care of some business uh, the last thing I want to do is uh, have a major accident in the middle of a media session where it will live on forever and ever and ever. Um, but that being said, I did get together Mike Bond and Oscar Willis to do a little preview show. Now, I was running uh, the sweatshirt around the backside, so I did not uh, participate. But you will hear 25 minutes of, uh, or roughly 25 minutes of Mike Bond and Oscar Willis from the Mac Life. Uh, detailing the main and co-main events. So uh, uh, thank you all. Uh, I will play that, and then I will be going swiftly to bed, so hopefully I will uh, be a little bit better in shape for the uh, morning weigh-ins, because if not, it is brutal, folks. It is brutal. So thanks again. Here is the boys. Hello, everyone. We are in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada for UFC 240 this week. Uh, we are in the midst of fight week here. Oscar, it is Thursday. Uh, we've kind of seen a little bit of the action so far. We had open workouts yesterday. We had media day today, obviously. Weigh-ins still to go and, of course, fight night. Um, this is Oscar Willis from the MacLife. I am Mike Bond. We are going to preview a little bit of this card for you here today. We will start out with the main event. Obviously, Max Holloway returning to featherweight to defend against Frankie Edgar. This fight has been booked twice before. We are finally getting it. This is kind of the tagline from both guys third times a charm coming into this one um are you happy that we're finally getting this fight it's been a rocky road i mean both these guys have had to fight different opponents opponents on short notice uh didn't go frankie egger's way went max hallway's way against jose aldo is this a fight that you are looking forward to seeing on saturday i mean i'll be honest with you when they announced it i sort of uh it's one of those things where they've booked it twice before, so you sort of wait, oh, I'll believe it when they're in the cage. Yeah. But yesterday at the open workouts, you know, it, it, I got the sense that, okay, it's here. Mm -hmm. And everything going well, they'll actually <laughs> so. get in the cage and fight. And, and I seeing them stare off against each other, I am excited to see it. I think these two are very beloved guys in the sport. They're exciting to watch no matter, you know, all their fights are good, mm -hmm. you know, good value MMA. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned, you know, it feels, feels like we're going to see it now. Yeah. We're getting very close, of course. You know, weigh-in days where things we, usually We should go. go on record now and say it's definitely going to happen. <laughs> it's 100% going to happen. Yeah. Right in stone. Um, yeah. Nevertheless, but we have seen, be in the situation with Max Holloway before. Frank Yeager is historically extremely reliable in these situations. But in terms of Max, we've seen things fall apart, mm -hmm. you know, closer to fights than we are right now. So there is always that door open for concern. But there's the whole issue of, you know, Max Holloway coming back down to featherweight uh he's had you know issues making this way he's never never stepped on the scale and actually missed weight but you know being pulled very close to it um how do you think he looks this week coming back down 145 personally i think he looks you know among the probably upper tier of how i've seen him going into fights at this weight class in terms of his health going into the fight yes but that i mean he does look i think he looks as normal as I've seen him. Sure. Uh, in fact, today I thought he looked a little bit bigger than he usually does at this point in the week, but that might not be a good thing. That might mean he's got a lot of weight to lose in a very short amount of time. Yeah. Um, 
the thing with Max is very hard to talk to him about weight stuff because he doesn't really want to talk about it. You know, he's just keeps like, it very close to the best. Well, he's also just like, it's not a problem. Don't worry about it. I'll be there. I'll be on point. So you kind of have to take him at his word. Like you said, he's never actually got on the scales and missed weight. Yeah. So I think people, some people just wear it better than others, right? Some people get on the scale and they look pretty haggard mm-hmm. and max is one of those guys he just doesn't wear well you know mm-hmm. and so i think that makes us a bit more suspicious than perhaps we need to be but you know the fact he was just at 155 it, it's kind of up in the air yeah did you think it was kind of a no-brainer for him to come back and try to defend this title i mean obviously the poirier fight at 155 for the interim belt in april came together pretty quickly <laughs> but it, you know mm-hmm. i still think Max Holloway could be a very... I know Dana White said after the fact, like, oh, he was surprisingly small, in my opinion, for a yeah. lightweight. But that's because they gave him basically no time to move up and do that weight class. Like, I think you give him the proper adjustment period. He was a proper lightweight. So what do you think? Do you think this is kind of the division where you should be? Obviously, the belt is kind of hard to walk away from when you have it there. But is this what you wanted to see from Max after that loss to Dustin Poirier? If he had beaten Dustin, then I think he should have vacated the featherweight title. I don't yeah, think he well, should He'd come- be probably fighting Habib right now. That's what I mean. He shouldn't yeah. have cut- but I think he shouldn't have come back down. I don't think they should necessarily done the whole double champ thing yeah. I think they, he should have vacated the, for the, because he lost to Dustin absolutely what's interesting for Max is what happens after this fight right yeah. because Alex Volkanovsky who's actually in town yep. um, which I mean you can read into that what you will that's the logical next guy and that I think it's pretty obvious the UFC would ideally like someone to come out of this fight relatively unscathed regardless yeah. who it is so they can send someone down to that Melbourne card and I think that's the right thing to do but after that I think Max should probably... If Max beat Frankie, then beat Alex, and we're looking very far ahead here, then I think he should move up for good and drop the featherweight title. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, of course, yeah, that is looking a little bit into the future. Talking to both those guys today, though, about, like, the potential of doing that Melbourne fight, neither of them really seemed, like, super interested in. It's a long flight, Mike. It's a long flight. Sure. It is a long flight, and it's not that far away from now either. So that's also something to play into it. But talking about the actual fight itself between Frankie and Max, I mean, Max, I think... I'm seeing unanimously. I don't see many people giving Frankie Edgar a chance in this right. fight. And I mean, that's, I guess, the story of his entire career. So it's like, right. it's not like it's a majorly different narrative for him. But still, I think in this one, it seems like it's a pretty uphill climb against Max Holloway. He's just looked so good fighting at 145. You know, his last fight there, he broke all sorts of records yeah. against Brian Ortega. Just ridiculous output. I think it's like 290 significant strikes in the course of the fight or yeah. something. So in your mind, what do you think Frankie Edgar has to do to give himself a chance? chance in this matchup i mean if you're frankie you i would probably take a little bit of solace in that he just lost right and that was yep. the first time in that last fight we actually saw max hurt mm-hmm. i really you know really like rocked a few times so if i was frankie i'd probably be thinking oh you know he might not be fully back there or right. that'll be in his mind maybe he won't be so aggressive i think he will be as aggressive as he <laughs> is but if you're frankie maybe that's thing but i think realistically Frankie's as old as he is. You know, he's, he's in the twilight of his career. Yeah. I think this is probably his last shot of the belt. I, we were saying earlier, just talking earlier, that uh, I think that loss to Brian Ortega was something of a, a turning point for Frankie. Yeah. I think that was sort of the, the signal that maybe his time as a top-tier fighter was coming to an end. So I think if Max and Frankie had happened maybe three years ago, then you could look at really competitively. Maybe the wrestling of Frankie could get him and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But frankly, I think... Frankie is up against it and I really think if you thought well maybe I mean man it's so hard because you could say well maybe Frankie is the sort of guy who could soak up damage for three rounds and then fire back in the fourth and fifth sure. problem is Holloway's there for he four rounds yeah, he's there yeah. around four and five yeah. so it, you know anything can happen in MMA but realistically it's, it's 
quite hard to see where because this the size difference as well. Yeah. It's quite hard to see where Frankie finds success, I think. Yeah, it's a really tough matchup for him. I mean, the only thing that really gives me, you know, piques my interest in terms of Frankie is we haven't seen Max fight a guy with wrestling as good as Frankie and like mm-hmm. really try to use it where that's one of their main weapons. So Max has shown tremendous takedown defense, but like you go back to like the Dennis Bermudez fight, which right. is like so long ago, which he lost, but I you know, I personally don't think he lost that one. It was extremely close on the scorecard. I think a split decision. So, but we still haven't really seen someone come in and challenge Max with those weapons. So yeah. who knows? Maybe there's something to be exposed there. Like from what I've seen, I don't really think that's the case, yeah. but you never know. Well, I think if, again, you look at the size difference, and you think, man, I think it's a tough ask for Frankie to yeah. really take him down, especially with the takedown defense we've seen Max show. But if Frankie took him, got the knee tap and took him down the round <laughs> one and, and managed to keep him down for like three minutes, suddenly you'd be looking at the rest of the fight like, oh, what could happen here? You know, so yeah. it's good, but I, I don't know how much what Frankie can really do here to find a route to victory. Yeah, I do think it's you know, pretty compelling in that sense. Uh, I think we'll know pretty early on which direction this fight's going to sway. And, yeah. you know, we talked a little bit about what comes next, but I think we could unanimously agree this is probably Frankie Edgar's last shot at a UFC title. Maybe the door could be open if he drops down yeah, to 135. Like, who knows, maybe he tries to pull the trigger. But at that point, I almost wonder if maybe it's too too late to make that move like i would have liked to see it a few years ago maybe after the first or second aldo loss but nevertheless max holloway i think too assuming you know maybe he does defend his title here there's lots of doors that i think open up potential return to 155 uh that volkanovsky fight is there so there is options i think coming there but um i do think right now this was the right fight to make i know there's was some discussion you know does frankie edgar deserve this all that stuff um i think all things considered it it was the fight to book so we will see what happens on Saturday with that featherweight title fight um, another featherweight fight in the co-main event but on the women's side right. in that weight class uh, to me Chris Cyborg got to be the number one storyline going into this fight card on Saturday just so much going on with her it's absolutely crazy I mean uh, it seemed like things were maybe cooled down a little bit then Dana White came out on Wednesday and did a media scrum in Las Vegas our John Morgan was there and he kind of laid it back down on the table when he came to Chris Cyborg he was as firm as ever this woman does not want to run it back with Amanda Nunes uh, saying all sorts of things you know of course the fact that she will be a free agent after this fight the final one on her UFC deal plays massively into this whole scenario but Dana even says I'll sign her to a one fight deal to do that which of course as we all know isn't really a one fight deal because of the champions clause but that's still something interesting to do because Cyborg does win and the champions clause extends her deal you know we're getting way ahead here but you still have a disgruntled champion. Like it's, I don't think it makes. And you have it a that third fight easier. as well. You have a third fight. Yeah, it's exactly. A no-brainer. And making that happen is probably not going to be easy. But you saw Chris Cyborg today. I saw her at media day. We both spoke to her. I think we both got a slightly different <laughs> yes, vibes yeah, from yeah. her. Um, she was fairly open with me, but. Nevertheless, well, I got um, her after you, so she'd given all the answers and then didn't right. really want to answer. Then she kind of shut it out. Um, yeah. But what kind of vibe did you get from her? Like, does this seem like someone, you know, she didn't do an open workout. She didn't answer questions to the media at open workout. I don't know if there was some confusion there, mostly just interacted with the fans. But are you getting the vibes that this is Chris Cyborg's final UFC fight week? I actually do believe it probably will be. Yeah. Um, I actually, I, funny enough, I, I predicted after she lost to Amanda, knowing that her contract was up this year, that they wouldn't re-sign her. Yeah. Um, I think they probably would be open to, but it's very rare in MMA that when we see these fighters going in on the last fight of their contract, 
usually they're, they're trying to gamble on themselves. They're trying to make a bet. Like, I, if I win, I can command more money. Yep. With Cyborg, it feels like there's a major swing here. Mm-hmm. If she wins, she's a very valuable commodity. That rematch with Amanda. If she comes out and starches Felicia, that's a very valuable uh, rematch to watch. You want to see that. So they're going to have to pay her the same or a bit more to keep mm-hmm. her around. If she loses... I don't think it's outrageous to say that the UFC would be too sad in saying, well, she didn't want to fight Amanda. We tried to keep her around, lowballing her, and she could find uh, a home somewhere else. And I think, I don't think she'll lose, but I, I, I do believe, and I tried to speak to Chris about this today, but she, you know, after you exhausted her, she, uh, <laughs> there was, she was very much like, listen, I'll find a Saturday and you'll hear all about it after yeah. Saturday. Like, after Saturday. She did say, tune into that post-fight yeah. press conference. She, she was like, I'll, I'll answer all your questions then. So, We'll probably get more of a, an idea of what she's thinking after that. But I do believe that fundamentally the issue between Cyborg and the UFC has been throughout their entire time together. Cyborg has an opinion of her status as a brand and as, a, as an athlete and, um, and sort of a commodity. Yep. And Dana White and the UFC have a very different idea of what that brand level is. Sure. And I think the issue is they have to work together, but they start off from very too stubborn points essentially and they're yeah. not very easy to come together yeah it is a bit of a struggle and yeah you did mention i mean she is fighting felicia spencer yes, on the card yeah. we should maybe bring that up a fellow canadian an undefeated fighter who comes in another former invicta fc champion uh, before we get to her though a little more on cyborg i mean you mentioned that you do feel this could be her last ufc fight where do you see her landing most likely? I think a lot of people in their mind, they're like, oh, the Scott Coker connection, right. going back to Strikeforce, that's where she'll go. But I think there's also the option of PFL. A lot of people want to see that Kayla Harrison fight at some point. Uh, who knows? Even Ryzen, one championship. Like I think she has a lot of doors open. I think a lot of people will be trying to get her services. But I think a lot of it has to do with the win here, which I think majority of us feel Chris Cyborg's going to win this fight. I think it'd be a pretty big upset if Felicia Spencer came in there yeah. and got the job done on Saturday. Uh, we'll get to the actual matchup itself, but just thinking about it on the surface, where you know, do you think she'll land and where would you like to see her land? Well, certainly if, if Spencer won, Cyborg's appeal there. Well, that changes the entire game completely. Yeah, conversation this conversation completely yeah. flips on its head. Um, I really don't know what would happen there. Yeah. It would be very, very interesting. Yeah, but so, let's just so with, assume with respect she to wins. Spencer, yeah, we'll of course, of course. Um, I think, like I said, the Bellator thing I think would probably be most likely because I think Scott's never been shy of his praise for Cyborg. Mm-hmm. And I think they probably they probably feel that the featherweight division the UFC's tried to do is not really kicked off and they think they could probably get that market. So if I was Bellator, I'd certainly go for her. I think one and Ryzen, I mean, everyone could sort of make those sort of like, oh, she can go over there and almost like a Gabby Garcia, just have these kind of weird, yeah. quirky matches, to put it nicely. Um, <laughs> I don't think she'll go there. I think she's still, she's, you know, she's still got a few, she's only had one loss in however many, 14 years. 14 years, yeah. I still think she's a competitor. I don't think she wants to just get paid at this point. I still think she has a, a legacy she wants to cement, even though she's already got legacy. So I think Bellator would be the most likely. I mean, the outside, she said she wants to go to boxing. She's been pretty open that she wants to go to boxing. And Zufa boxing. <laughs> we solved it. Uh, no, but she said she wants to go to boxing. She said that after her contract, she'd look at boxing and stuff. So yeah. it wouldn't surprise me if the, maybe she has an angle there. But then again, women's boxing, although it's come on leaps and bounds, it's not like there's an abundance of people for her to box that. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, no, that it's going to be very interesting to see how this unfolds. And yeah, let's give Felicia Spencer her respect and you know talk about her a little bit. Um, you know, massive opportunity, just Huge. one fight in. She came in and she did great against Megan Anderson, got that win, and now sets her up for this title fight or this uh, potential title eliminator rather yeah. against Cyborg. Uh, watching her at open workouts, I think a lot of people were 
technically inspired about her ability to win this fight on the feet particularly we didn't really see any of her grappling and that's where she is strongest where she's had the majority of her wins and we haven't really seen someone put cyborg on the ground with her talent there so who knows she gets a takedown early when they're not you know too sweaty or anything anything can happen there right. in my opinion but do you see an avenue to victory for felicia spencer on saturday well one thing i will say for spencer is that she if you wanted to tell a fighter this is the attitude you need to have going into a fight like this she's absolutely got 100%. it she's relishing she's well, it's not even relishing she's not even getting carried away she's just like yeah it's pretty cool I mean, and she's looking forward to fighting cyborg and she said oh if i win and i get to fight amanda right after yeah. that's going to be awesome too not you know super common words to come out of people's <laughs> mouth so she has the the correct mindset and the hungry sort of i'm getting to fight a legend here yeah so i, I like that about her skill wise i mean the thing about Cyborg is, so she's coming off a loss, and we know what a loss does to you. It makes you forget real quick how good people can be. Mm-hmm. But if you really look at that loss, Cyborg did, and not to take attention away from Spencer, Cyborg lost to Nunes because she got hit very hard and thought, well, I'll hit her harder, and that didn't work out for her. Mm-hmm. But if we look back at her other fights, like against Holly Holm, she's a very sort of technical boxer, and she outboxed Holly over five rounds. So I actually think Cyborg is a better fighter than she showed in her loss. I mean, obviously, but she's still a monster. Do you know yeah. what I mean? She's still... She lost to Amanda, which there's no shame in. So there's a lot to overcome. We're talking about Frankie and Max. I, yeah. th- I think the it's a bit steeper here, for, yeah. you know, steeper hill here. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I think if Felicia, if you're Felicia Spencer, you basically just have to go like balls to the walls at the beginning. There is questions around Cyborg, like how does she respond if she gets hit hard again? Does like that overdrive, you know, just brawling mentality? But come Felicia out? said she doesn't like to brawl. And she said, I'm yeah, not brawl she either. doesn't. But so. I still think you know if you're fighting Cyborg, going out there and just circling the cage and like you know maybe just hoping she overcommits on punch right. that you can die ball leg for a takedown. Like I don't know how effective that strategy is. I think. If we see Amanda Nunes fight Cyborg again, like she's going to come out and try to do something pretty similar and tag her early because I think, you know, it's either there's not really much of it in between, maybe get her early or like hope she tires out, out towards. Yeah. And this is a three round fight. We haven't seen Chris Cyborg in a three round fight for some time. Point. So she is not really going to have that fear of like maybe I'll gas that. out if this goes into the championship round. She very much can use all her steam early if need be. And I think that is a, a very, very scary proposition for Felicia Spencer. So we will see what happens. I mean, like I said, I think if Cyborg wins, that post-fight press conference is going to be must-watch <laughs> material. Um, hopefully, you know, the UFC lets her attend, given what she was saying today. Uh, you know, it's going to be Dana White's birthday on Sunday when we're probably at that oh, press fantastic. conference. So maybe she'll present a nice gift to him and they'll just make up at the press conference. God, but I'm not counting on it. Nevertheless, I mean, we've kind of covered the main topics on this card. Right. We won't hide from it. This is not the UFC's best pay-per-view offering of the year or even close to it. It's a pretty rough card yeah. uh, once you get beyond the top two fights. But there is some interesting little nuggets on there. I mean, I think the excitement for... Jeff Neal and Nico Price when that fight was reported mm-hmm. uh, was genuine enthusiasm sure. from the MMA community and I think that's a really interesting welterweight fight I mean I've heard and you know admittedly it comes from a lot of people on Jeff Neal's side but man like I haven't heard this many positive words about like a rising guy at mm-hmm. 170 in a long time for him so like people are saying they feel he's the best striker in the UFC wow. some of the people around him and those are obviously incredibly lofty you know statements to be making about a guy like that who's only three and oh in the ufc so i'm really interested in that fight i mean the how they mesh with nico price you know yeah. that's a really exciting style and i like his attitude i like nico's attitude yeah you know, he's just like oh i can't he's, he's sitting there to go 
can't wait to fight him. I'm talking about him so much. Yeah. I can't wait to fight him. So He's I like, like shaking and yeah, so yeah. yeah, that just seems like it's got fight of the night material yeah. written all over it. Um, there anyone else that kind of stands out? I mean, I can mention a few of the prelim guys after that I had the chance yeah. to speak with on Wednesday. But in terms of that main card, is there? There's not much meat on the bone outside yeah. of that Neil Price fight. Um, there is. You know, Olivier Aubin Mercier trying to yeah. come back from his first two fight losing skid uh, against the guy named Armin. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last <laughs> name because it's pretty difficult. But the Russian guy who we saw give a good fight on short notice to Islam Makachev earlier this year, who's obviously, you know, one of the most highly touted lightweights out there. So, you know, anything, any meat on the bone here for this main card outside of the top two? Well, look, I mean, like you said, we can't shy away from it. It's not a stellar. Um, on paper, but then often these fights, fight cards. Okay, usually... Dana White. Um, <laughs> but I, no, I get what it's you're saying. It's not quite gone. I still have some left. So you can't uh, it, it, might, it, might, it might be the opposite. You know, last week we had everyone. Oh, the San Antonio card's a sleeper, and then we get nine straight decisions That's to chart the card. So who knows what's well, going to show up? But so what I was going to say is, I, I don't necessarily think there's fights that I'm looking forward to, but there's there's fighters that mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to. No. So like I said, Olivia, I'm always, he's always a bit of a character. He yeah. came wearing a bit of a, a man purse today, which is a yeah. brave decision. Even and said I've... something pretty interesting to our friend Aaron Bronstetter at TSN. The fact that he actually uh, enlisted a basically an odds maker a handicapper yeah. an MMA handicapper to come into his camp and do research on his opponent for this fight and he said he got like five pages of notes back yeah. like something so thorough uh, things that his coaches his teammates people who are helping him prepare for this fight didn't even come across their radar so that's kind of an interesting little nugget yeah. there that Aaron got um, but yeah I think Olivier is kind of a interesting yeah. guy I, I always like watching him fight because he's a bit quirky as a dude you know and yeah. then um, Hakeem Duardu as well he's, yeah he's exciting guy you know mm-hmm. he's coming back and coming I'm, back from an injury too yeah because yeah, we saw him backstage at Philadelphia uh Ottawa UFC Ottawa also Canada but yes yeah, so I remember him being back and very excited and very sort of intense like he wants mm-hmm. to get back in there so I'm excited to see him back as well he's an exciting guy yeah definitely and for me the one that's really exciting is Eric Koch to see him back um you know kind of a little backstory with Eric Koch this is one of the first guys I ever interviewed as an mm-hmm. MMA reporter we did a I used to do a column called my first defeat where you would talk to like certain fighters about the first time just they so lost. cheerful Mike. yeah just I know like, and just like good memories Mr. Positivity over here but he actually you know some of them that stuff is really hard yeah, to pull out of some fighters they're extremely reluctant to talk about he was so open at the time and I thought that was like one of the things that kind of helped me see these fighters and get to know them a little better coming up and then obviously you know this is a guy in this process province and i believe 2012 was supposed to be fighting for the belt that's headlined this card he's supposed yes, to be fighting jose aldo for the featherweight title and then things more or less went haywire for eric Koch. so many injuries he has mm-hmm. three fights in the past five years since 2014 um he had moved up to lightweight and lost two in a row now he's fighting at welterweight for this card moving up there and it's kyle stewart who's just an and one guy in the ufc another canadian but uh he was a person coming into this week. I'm like, I want to talk to this guy. So right. I scheduled the early interview with him. And man, it was more than I could have expected. I mean, this is basically the one year anniversary. It's kind of weird to call it anniversary because that seems like a positive kind <laughs> right, of right, word, right. but of his father's death, oh. um, which he, yeah, which he said was extremely unexpected, but man, like the maturity on this guy, like he basically said, um, 
he feels when you lose someone so close to you like that, Mm -hmm. it's like the final step in maturing in life. And he feels he's grown more in this past year that he hasn't fought than he has in the previous 29 in his life. So just to see a guy that at one point was so highly touted, so much talent, um, you know, trains out of Rufus sport. And it seems like moving up to welterweight, his confidence is right there. He is in the gym with Woodley, with Askin, with Pettis, with Bilal Muhammad, with like all these guys that are legit welterweight. So that, that to me is a really fascinating comeback story. Well, you, if you're training alongside the ex welterweight champion now and Ben mm-hmm. Askren, who, despite the recent losses, who he is, yep, you would have to feel pretty confident to move up to that division. Hundred percent. Do you know what I mean? So yep. yeah, you're right. That is interesting. Yeah, and I mean outside of that, there's a couple other names sprinkled on here. You know, we got Alexis Davis, a four title challenger in her own right. Uh, Julian Robinson, who's uh, Robertson, who's a pretty interesting up and coming uh, flyweight. But yeah, I think outside of that, there's yeah. not a ton of yeah. meat on the bone here. So uh, you know that's what you get here at Edmonton. It's not the greatest pay-per-view offering in the world. They kind of got a little struck last time too, when we lost the uh, new, or who was it? The uh, Demetrius shots and Ray Borg fight on like one night's notice. So uh, they haven't exactly brought the heat here in Edmonton, but you know, that's what you get. So we have (laughs) exactly. And I mean, if you think about it, this card pay-per-view was also slid in there. This is basically the makeup card uh, for the January UFC 233 that never came to fruition. So, uh, they kind of just crammed this one in here, and well, listen, the two we got Canada's own Max Holloway on the card. At least he's the saving With grace. His new, hat, his new Toronto Raptors hat. There you go. But um, uh, I think listen, it's it's not the best card, but Holloway Edgar's fun time. Whatever you look at it. Exactly. No, those top two are money. I think you know, if you're a true MMA fan, this is probably you're going to throw down that on your Saturday night. I think Max Holloway is you know one of the most must-watch fighters in the entire sport. So uh, looking forward to seeing him back. Really appreciate you guys joining us as we had a little discourse on this UFC 240 card and just keep it locked to mmajunkie.com for coverage all week long and maybe the mac life if you want some leftovers so How <laughs> really appreciate it guys and we will see you next time thank you all right big shout out to cold coffee for uh suffering his way through this and uh, and getting that preview show to us and of course Shout out to uh, to Mike Bond and Oscar Willis as always for uh, for lending their time and helping break down this card. I, I, like I said, I think it's going to be entertaining, uh, even if on paper it's not necessarily the deepest or most exciting card. You know how we do. We look for the gems in there, and uh, I, I think there are a couple gems. So looking forward to that one. Listen, uh, next week it will be uh, the young Mike Bond heading out to Newark, New Jersey by himself for UFC and ESPN 5. So myself and Cole Coffee will be back together. We'll be here in Vegas. Uh, we're not actually sending anybody to Uruguay, unfortunately. Uh, I believe Jason Silva, our Brazilian photographer, may be out there to help try to get some stuff for us. Uh, but that's two weeks from now. And then, of course, after that is uh, UFC 241 in Anaheim, California. Uh, that's an interesting one. I'm, I will be in Anaheim on fight night. Uh, Thursday night when we sit down to do the, the road show, uh, I will actually be in Atlantic City. I'm doing another uh, Cage Fury Fighting Championship gig, uh, and this one is out in Atlantic City. Myself and CM Punk will be back together on the call for that one. Uh, and then I'm going to fly. It's, it's The fight is on Friday night, and on Saturday I'm going to fly into Anaheim on the day of the fight uh, so I can be there for that card. So uh, Cold Coffee, meanwhile, is actually on vacation that week, but of course he'll make sure we get this show together. But uh, anyway, we'll be back together for a couple weeks before he goes on vacation, and then I'll be back on the road, so should be fun. And uh, like I said, I'm gonna try to try to sneak in a little and a half this uh, this weekend. I think I think we can make it happen. I think. Hold me to it. Tell me. Remind me. Be mad at me if I don't. I need to be motivated. <laughs>
It's not even about motivation. I just got to find a way to make it work. I love it. Anyway, all right. Enough of me. I'm going to let you get back to your evening. In the meantime, let me tell you all. I mean it. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back.